simple use of line, color, and shape come together as we apply personal meaning and symbolism to these types of visual expression. Drew Matat is using the art of paper making to help veterans heal their emotional wounds. According to the American Cancer Society, art therapy can be used as complementary therapy to help survivors express their emotions. The expression of art has proven to be therapeutic. It has been highly regarded since before the modern age. But teaching people of all ages art is a noble profession. And in the case of Radhika Shah, owner and operator of Color My World, an art studio in Artesia, California, it's her biggest passion. Welcome to Color My World Art Studio. Um, we are a small private fine art studio based in Artesia, but we cater to a lot of neighboring cities. Um, you know, it's all the way from La Mirada to Cerritos, Cypress, Buena Park. And our youngest student is three and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> and our oldest is 99 plus. Since you're running an art studio, I assume that one of your passions is art. So could you tell me how you got into art? Tenth grade student who already loved art uh, back home. Mm -hmm. And I was approached by um, moms of two boys and two of her friends, and they said, you know, our, our boys are not so great at art, and you know, back home in India, you're mm -hmm. used to doing a lot of good art, regardless yeah. <laughs> if you want to follow uh, or pursue a career in art or not. They just approached me and said, could you teach my boys? And that was the beginning. And I never thought I'll have my own studio, mm -hmm. but it so happened that, you know, word spreads around, and uh, their friends were like, you know, you should um, enroll my boys too, and my girls too. and. Uh, pretty soon, out of uh, nowhere, <laughs> the two boys became probably 250. So did you pursue art in college? Yes, I did. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So so what was your exact major in college? So my major was um, bachelor's in microbiology oh. uh, and a minor in textile design and art. Okay, okay. So did you, coming from India, which is a, a more collectivist culture, did you see the transition becoming a female executive a little bit more challenging because the executive position is usually a patriarchal role? Absolutely, because this is um, rewinding almost back to, I would say, 1992. Mm -hmm. And at that time, not very many families had uh, you know the female lead yeah um, not many people would encourage you to work as well mm -hmm. but since I assumed this was called a safe profession right like teaching it's a noble profession right so they did welcome me with open arms mm -hmm. but they would always say what will you do after yeah after and then the sentence lingers off uh -huh. so I never had that question because my parents were very supportive that's good that's good so they grew up they grew up in India but they spent a good deal of time in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the few lucky kids who was, uh, you know, allowed to do and follow my passion. So then how was the transition from uh, moving from India to here and then building your business in America? That was a challenging part because over here people are used to seeing, I would say, Asian um, teachers. Mm -hmm. Like if I had to enroll my daughter for piano lessons, I would have a lot of uh, people recommend so-and-so um, in Cerritos or mm -hmm. you know, in, in the neighborhood. Most of them 
were not Indian. Mm-hmm. So we would, it's hard to find someone who is, um, you know, not, I would say, stereotyped to be teaching a certain yeah. profession. And then when I started teaching over here, they would say, oh, um, do you have other uh, teachers as well? Oh. And so they were probably looking for um, a seal of approval. Right. Thinking that, um, you know, I might not be able to do my job well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then when I started showing them my portfolio and my credentials, right. and when they understand that I am a public school teacher as well, mm-hmm they would accept me better. So that was my initial hurdle, you know, to cover that part where I had to build trust and make them trust me and my process with their child. Do you remember, like, a moment that you had where you broke through to a child and you, like, helped them realize that art was a medium that they could express themselves in? I think so. It was one of these art contests that a lot of students participate in, Mm -hmm. and it was... um, one of my students was placed first, mm-hmm. and that got me a lot of recognition um, because it was statewide. Mm-hmm. When my student won first place mm-hmm. out of like 4,000 entries, wow, that was a seal of approval. Where do you see yourself like 10 years down the line? Do you think you might open another location for your art studio? Um, do you think you'll just continue where you're at? Are you happy with where you're at? Um, we have been looking into options mm-hmm. about opening up in Orange County because a lot of my students have to drive down from Brea or uh, Irvine, and mm-hmm. they do have uh, friends who uh, do like a carpool. Yeah. And every person only has to drive once a month right. or maybe once in two months. But I understand how much of a challenge it is mm-hmm. because my work is basically driven off of, um, uh, you know, a lot of how our feelings and our teaching is it's mm-hmm. with a lot of sense of purpose right uh, we don't focus just on art we focus on the whole child right and it's always a journey with us because we have students who are sometimes four or three and a half mm-hmm. or even five and when they start out we see them grow through the years right and to have somebody do this with a lot of passion for a long term I would say I wish I can clone myself <laughs> and a few of my teachers uh, I have a great staff and I wish we could do that there is a chance of opening another location, but I would only decide that based off of um, the quality of people I get. I don't want to feel that burnout before I, you know. Yes. I don't want that. So it might be in the works, but it might not be. I'm not quite sure about that yet. Okay. Well, I know that that feeling of burnout is like, or coming close to it is common, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's something you're passionate about, but it turns into a business. Is business, right. exactly. So, so you didn't set out for art to become a business? Never, ever. Okay, okay. <laughs> My focus is on creativity, right. igniting a spark in that student who walks into that door and trusting him and her mm-hmm. because when you see them grow, it's, it's just amazing, and that's our fulfillment right there. Mm-hmm. So if I can do that in this location, which we have been doing so far, mm-hmm. we have a ton of different things that we do. We do birthday parties, we do art classes, we do Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts when they come in to paint. Yeah. We have people just come in just for the fun of it, and you know they would have um, a holiday friend visiting, and they would just come in and they would say, oh, can, I, can we just come and paint? And that's the kind of place this is, mm-hmm. where we, we nurture creativity a lot. Have you found that this place has grown throughout the years as, as much as your students have grown? Absolutely. When we started out over here, 
um, I was behind in a smaller, um, it was a smaller room mm -hmm. with barely two of these tables. Oh. And the, we always had a wait list of, you know, 10 or 15 students, um, you know, waiting to cancel. And I'm like, maybe this is the time that I can go <laughs> bigger. Yeah. And when we opened this in 2012, uh, after eight years of being in business, mm -hmm. We never knew uh, we would need a bigger place. I thought this was it. Mm -hmm. And after um, being here for another seven years, this is our seventh year, mm -hmm. a lot of people say, when are you going to buy this old building? And I'm like, no, I'm not even planning <laughs> to do that. But they always feel the need or we always have the need to kind of, you know, accommodate more students. Right. But sometimes we don't have the room. And weekends are so popular because a lot of working parents can come from far, right. drop off their kids, mm -hmm. but we can only accommodate so many. Right. So I like that. I like the fact that there's always a wait list for some days. Mm -hmm. And then um, in the mornings when we're still going to schools, we go to public schools and teach art in the mornings too. Oh, okay. In school art. So um, a lot of times they say, oh, do you have a location oh, nearby? And we go, no, but you can come <laughs> all the way down to Artesia. <laughs> So I like that positivity and, yeah. you know, the the growing nature of this business. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the same time, I do not want to make it very, uh, I would say very, what's the word, very commercial. Mm. And, yes. uh, you know, expanding a lot of locations. Like, right. It's pretty easy to go ahead and say, okay, I can get a room. I can rent a place mm -hmm. in a good busy strip mall mm -hmm. and have people come in and do, you know, pink nights and, you know, drop in classes, but it becomes very commercial and there's not much, there's not much uh, into the art form, you know, right. and we're not seeing that little fun aspect of this kid creating and, you know, being there to watch. Yeah. It's going to be my assistant or my other teacher. So I don't want to lose out on that either. Right. right. <laughs> so then talking about the commercial aspect, how would you say your small business um, competes with the bigger, more commercial art studios. Right. So uh, we do have a lot of people who call us in. Uh, I would That's a great example I have right now where we went into the school in Cyprus and then another school in Lakewood, and they were having a big box uh, art um, tutoring academy come in and teach art. And they had the best of supplies with all the names branded. And oh, wow. Yeah, you know, the pencil has your name. Yeah. And your crayon <laughs> box has your name. We... We try not to focus on all that, but we do go in and instead of cramping in three to four classes in a multi-purpose room and showing them an awesome video uh, about, you know, Claude Monet or Leonardo da Vinci mm -hmm. or Frida Kahlo, what we do is we come down to the brass tacks. We show them a lot of art done by Frida Kahlo mm -hmm. with our style. Oh. We focus on individual classes at a time. We go in and we teach one class at a time for 50 minutes. We have a one-on-one -on -one with this whole classroom with a lot of Q&As. Mm -hmm. We ask them lots of questions. We ask them, how does this make you feel when you look at an art uh, project by Monet or when you look at the water lilies or mm -hmm. when you look at um, the starry night? What happens to you? How does it ignite your thinking and your creativity how would you make it different after they understand it we ask the students now if i were to give you a pen and paper and say you make your version of starry night they can blend in what they've seen their own thoughts and ideas and what they've read about it in the past what they've heard about and what they've probably discussed with their parents at some point in time or even you know gone to a library yeah so there's a whole 
flood of ideas in the one point that culminates into this awesome project that probably the big box academies will not be teaching them exactly. because they're in and out in like 15 minutes mm -hmm. and they come back after a few weeks mm -hmm. and teach them a lesson. I think you lose out on a lot when you go back and teach. Mm -hmm. We do it then and there in that hour. Mm -hmm. And then we see the whole process from beginning to end. And all the teachers in the school tell us, this is not how I would have done it. I'm so glad that you're teaching it this way. And So do you think through this studio, you've also seen teaching morph into one of your passions? Absolutely. Now that this has become a business of yours, how what is something that you didn't expect would arise on the corporate or the business side of your of this company um, that now you have to deal with in regards to your passion numbers oh <laughs> so you know when you're artistic or you're right brain or left brain so that's the part that I get to you know I kind of push, push around back. <laughs> push back and somewhere along the line I have my partner uh-huh managing partner to mm -hmm. deal with okay okay yeah so do you think you've found a good dynamic between your um your employees and uh, all your teaching assistants in that they idolize the values that you have and like focusing on individualism on the student and the growth yes one of the core um i would say requisites for me hiring a person would be their passion so i have made exceptions where they don't have a major in arts. Mm -hmm. They probably have a minor, but their passion is art. Right. The second most important thing I would love for them to have, and I've always selected my teachers based off of that, is patience. Because I firmly believe in the fact that if there's, if there's this style that the student cannot learn with, there's a hundred other styles that we can come up with to make them understand that same concept. Right. Because, like I said, if I had a great math teacher, I probably would love numbers as well. Looking at all of your success right now, what would you tell the Radhika Shah that was just starting out moving over to America and about to start Color My World? What advice would you give her that you've learned along the way? So when I was going to open in a big scale, I had a lot of people tell me, don't make that mistake. Oh. They said, who is going to come to an Indian art teacher to learn art? Because there's so many good teachers over here in the neighborhood who are probably not based off of Indian descent. Mm -hmm. And they did put in, maybe that was um, probably something very truthful that they were telling me, but they probably didn't know my passion. They probably didn't know me. Right. And... That's not their fault. They were just probably throwing in, uh, you know, things to, you know, probably make me understand how the world works. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to make me understand how if they had to send a child, they would probably check out different places and they might go with the one that they like the best. And I might not be the one. But then since they didn't see the artistic side of me, right. which I rarely show to people, <laughs> because once I start, it's hard for me to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Maybe they were just probably making me understand how, you know, it's going to be a, probably a difficult uh, path. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I knew I was so grounded in that, that I never had to think twice, that I would tell the Radhika Shah from years ago that don't wait, do it sooner. Oh. It's okay if people are doubting you. You don't have to prove to them. You just keep following your passion and your perfection for your passionate venture 
and then success just follows. To all the aspiring female um, business professionals listening, do you have any advice for them? Yes, I do, because um, a lot of times they doubt themselves. So number one, never doubt yourself. Mm -hmm. If you are doing it, do it the best. Um, Number two, always try to create that sweet spot where you can strike a balance. Because it's no point in running after one thing or the other thing and, you know, trying to spread yourself too thin. Right. You want to make sure that you probably, um, you know, strike a balance because it's the best way to achieve success. You want to make sure you're, you know, giving a lot of attention to your, you know, your home front, yourself, and your passion. And then when you know what works best, it's very easy to strike that balance. And it takes time. Mm -hmm. But once you know that, that's it. You're there. You're there. <laughs> Everyone should visit uh, Color My World in Artesia, California, and tell Radhika that FemExec sent you. Thank you.